unlike the gods of ancient civilizations that said, worship me, we place our faith in a god that says, follow me. And to do so, God gives us two great commandments. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And the second is like it, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. These two commandments are certainly the heart of this spiritual life. But each of us will come to these realities in ways that are at once unique to us individually and yet common in our humanity. I'd like to share some foundational principles that underlie our understanding of these commandments. First, love of God. The only way I know how to teach anyone about the love of God is to go back to Jesus when he said, follow me. Because to love God must, one must love what God loves, which is everything and everyone. And here's the foundational principle. And it comes from St. John, who said, we love because God first loved us. These words have been for me a reset button whenever I need to be reminded of the things in life that are non-negotiable, which goes something like this. If God can love me, then I must love others. If God can forgive me, then I must forgive others. If God can understand me, then I must understand others. If God can be patient with me, then I must be patient with others. For these reasons, I must love what God loves. It is because of what God has done for me that I must do for others. It's non-negotiable. That's God's grace. We don't deserve it. We have no claim to it. We cannot take credit for it. Nor can we impose conditions on others what was freely given to us in the first place. Our lives are given to us for the sake of others, period. That's what it means to be chosen. To be chosen means to be chosen, but then it means to teach chosenness to others. To be chosen when we breathe in, to teach chosenness as we breathe out. What did Jesus say? It wasn't you who chose me, but I who chose you. That is non-negotiable. And more than ever do we need to reclaim our non-negotiables, especially in a culture as ours where everything can be negotiated away. A wise man once said, if you want to know the character of a person, ask him or her what in your life is non-negotiable. Where in life do you draw the line? What do you stand for? What will you die for? It's not a question for the faint of heart. 
for the answer will be self-revealing. And for some, it will be a dangerous question. Love of God and love of neighbor are non-negotiable because they reveal our dignity in Christ and the work that is ours to fulfill our dignity and our destiny. Understood this way, we can then love with an infinite love that can always flow through us. When we are able to love things simply for the sake of themselves, for themselves, in themselves, and not for what they do for us. But this takes a great deal of work and surrender on our part. The spiritual life is the primary work of detachment from ourselves, from our self-entitlements, our preferences, and our prejudices. Only the contemplative and trustful mind can do that. Just as love of God is non-negotiable, love of neighbor is its equal. However, we can struggle with this commandment because we know at a very honest level, it is the one we find most difficult to attain through our own efforts. In our more honest and human moments, I believe we admire how to love others in the way Jesus asked, but we do struggle in its application in our lives. Do we turn the other cheek? Do we really love our enemies? Do we wish good to those who wish us harm? Do we bless those who curse us? To our credit, we can be fair, we can be just, but we may not yet love the way Jesus asks us to. On our own, it seems God gave us a commandment that we could not obey. Perhaps this is so, we would have to depend on the Holy Spirit. And this is the greatness, the goodness, the wonder, and the impossibility of the gospel, that it asks of us something that we alone, apart from God, cannot do. Only by God's grace is it possible. But the struggles persist. Part of the problem is I think that we are trained to think and achieve our goals in absolute terms. In our mind, we are certain that we love God. But in the world, love of neighbor is not as certain as we would imagine. The fact is love of neighbor should not be thought of as an attainable in absolute terms. Because the only thing that is absolute is the struggle. Our story of salvation history is the moral journey of moving three steps forward and falling back too. But we remain faithful because we know the struggle is holy. And knowing that our holiness is found in our daily struggle makes our daily bread that more necessary. So here's the paradox. Our struggle to be holy is, in fact, holy. To struggle morally 
is holy because in the sanctuary of our conscience, there is a struggle worth fighting for. In making us, it seems, God factored in human complexity, human weakness, to stand alongside divine nature and divine virtue in a holy struggle wherein we are both saint and sinner. As such, what can look like hypocrisy from the outside can in fact be a spherical pilgrimage from within when seen in the fuller light of patience and understanding. As Pope Francis has said, each person's situation before God and their life in grace are mysteries which no one can fully know from without. As such, we can make moral judgments about someone's behavior, but we can never judge someone's soul. That judgment is proper to God alone. Only God sees the whole picture. To love is the will the good of another, to seek what is best for the other. And if we truly love our neighbor, then making a moral judgment is the loving thing to do to show them the better way. But we should do this prudently, in the right time and in the right way, and with great gentleness, humility, and compassion. The world doesn't need to contend souls. The world needs to know God's love, mercy, and plan for their lives.